Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Cross Creek. It is good to be seen by all of you. Uh, we're just doing this kind of as a, a one-time thing, this money series that we're doing. I figured, you know, I could, could have asked Aaron to teach this, but I'm not going to do that to that poor guy teaching on money. I'm going to make him do that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the hits, and I am kind of courageous to teach it, but not courageous enough to actually be here to have you looking at me when I'm talking about money. And as we start talking about money, Money's awesome, isn't it? It's great. Like, you can do so many things with money. It's a tool that can be used for so much good. Talked a little bit about it last week with uh, you can build hospitals and schools and uh, finance clean water projects with money. It can be used for so much good, and it can be a tool that can really add purpose to your life. And I think that's, that's awesome. But, and here's the thing, and I think we know this, but we kind of forget about it. Money, money's great and can do a lot of good, but money promises more than it can deliver. It makes promises that uh, it can't keep. Like, you know, it says, hey, I, if you have me, I will make your wildest dreams come true. But you're just, you're, you're just going to need a little bit more, and then all your dreams are going to come true. And then we, we get that amount, whatever it is. And then money says, yeah, you know, I, I actually, I meant just, just a little bit more. And then, then your dreams will come true. Just, just a little bit more than that, then you'll be fine. It makes these promises that it can never keep. Uh, for me, as a lot of you know, we were looking for new houses and that type of stuff and budgeting and whatnot. And uh, my wife, Liz, is very um, wise with money. And I love to buy. I love to spend. And so we're looking at houses and she has, you know, these, these houses that we can afford, and I have this house that I wish I could afford. And I say, if I only had uh, so much money, I could buy this house. And then I look at it online, and I look at, go to Zillow and look at other houses. Like, oh, well, you know, that house is nice, but if I just had a little bit more money for, than that house for, for this house over here, then I'd really, really be happy. And there's never enough, right? We, and the problem is when we, when we think money and possessions will fulfill us, it actually becomes an appetite, this hunger that we just need more and more of. And we end up chasing a fantasy that, that will never happen because the, there will never be enough money. We will never be able to really satisfy the appetite that chasing money creates. And here's, here's a fact. 
You can quote me on this. There will never be enough money to give you a life of purpose. There will never be, no matter how much you get, there will never be enough money to give you a life of purpose. Because it, it's how you use it. It's not how much you have. And if we aren't careful, we can waste our lives trying to spend, trying to hoard our way to fulfillment. Because it'll never happen. And then when, when you do that, you're no longer using your money. Your money is using you. It's creating greater and greater appetites that you can't control, that you can't satisfy. And when that happens, your money has power over you. And so what we have to realize is that money is a much better tool than it is a boss. Uh, P.T. Barnum, the, the circus guy, uh, said this, money is a terrible master, but an excellent servant. It's a terrible master. When we, when we live for it, we are never happy, but it is an excellent servant. Our money will do whatever we tell it to do. Don't you wish your kids were like that? It'll go wherever we tell it to go. Don't you wish your dog was like that? But we, we have to be willing to take charge because either we will be in charge of our money or our money will be in charge of us. And if we want to have a life of purpose, we need to have control over those appetites. In fact, the Apostle Paul calls it self-control. Everyone's favorite word, self-control. In fact, in, in his letter to uh, the Galatians, the Jesus followers in Galatia, uh, he's, he's explaining what it means to be a Jesus follower and what that looks like. And basically, if you hate uh, religion and the rules of religion, you got to read Galatians because it's becoming my favorite book. It talks about how it's not about rules, it's about love. It's, it's amazing. But in this, in this letter, he explains what it means to be a Jesus follower. And, and here's something interesting he says. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you will not give in to those appetites. Those appetites won't control you. I mean, walk by the Spirit. Live in such a way that when God nudges your conscience, you pay attention to that tension. When, when, when something's going on in your life and you feel like, I don't know if this is right, you, you listen to it. You pay attention to it. See, when you begin to follow Jesus, the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you and starts transforming you, starts changing you from the inside out, making you new. And it really, it affects every aspect of your life. And this, this transformation, this changing that, that God's Holy Spirit brings, it can, it's something we can either fight against or something that we can work with, that we can help move along, that we can be a part of the transformation. And Paul says the things that are proof of that transformation, the results of that transformation, the results of walking by the Spirit, the things we can either work with or fight against are these things. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of the Spirit in your life is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and our word, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The result of having the Holy Spirit transform you is self-control. Having control over our appetites. Control to say no when we should 
and control to say yes when we should in all areas of our life. Why? Why is that a part, a result of the transformation of the Holy Spirit? Because God loves you. Because God is for you. And he wants you to have a life of fulfillment, a life of purpose, and a life of happiness. And honestly, that's why I think Jesus talked about money so much. He knew. He knew the power money could have over us. He knew the true test of who we are is what we do with our money. He knew that money is always fighting for control over us. And that if we don't use self-control, our money will take over and our money will take charge. And so last week, we looked at a story Jesus told where he explained how using money as a tool for a purpose outside of ourselves is what actually can give our lives purpose and can add purpose to our life. This is really where self-control makes such a difference. And we, we saw that the purpose of money is to use it for a purpose that's not you. That's the true purpose of money, to use it for a purpose that isn't all about you. And as he was wrapping up that teaching, he said something very, very interesting. And to be honest, something a little uncomfortable. Because there's no wiggle room in what Jesus, how Jesus closes this story. Uh, there's no, you know, like, well, you know, it sounds, it sounds like Jesus said this. But you know what? What he actually meant is there's no room for that in what he says. It's, it's too clear cut. It's, there's no way to soften it. In fact, I, it's one of the reasons I wanted to pre-record this message because it's just, I can just say it and then I don't have to look at you when I say it. It's great. So here's what he says. Are you ready? Yeah? I can't hear you. Good. Anyway, here's what Jesus says. No one, not even you, can serve two masters. I don't have a master. Just wait. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. Master, I looked it up. It's a, it's a person to whom one belongs. Uh, the owner who has control over a person. Another word that can be used there is, instead of master, is Lord. No one can serve two lords. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't be controlled by two lords, by two masters. And then he says, you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, normally, if we just took out the word money, you would say you can't serve both God and, and we might say you can't serve both God and the devil, right? Good job, Sunday school classes. You can't serve God and the devil, obviously, right? Or, you know, you can't serve God and yourself, sure. You can't serve God or the world. You can't serve God or sin. Nobody really, if they were finishing that sentence for themselves, would really say you can't serve God and money. They don't seem to really be related when you think about it. But Jesus is saying, no, you can't serve God and you can't serve money at the same time. You can't chase after God and try to fulfill your ever-increasing appetites at the same time. It's either one or the other. You can't give God control and at the same time be controlled by your money. 
See, Jesus saw money, this is very interesting, Jesus saw money and the pursuit of wealth as the number one competitor for our hearts. And that, think about that. Not, not sin, not, you know, other people. He saw money and the pursuit of wealth as the number one competitor for God, between God and money. That's our number one competitor is money. The, the competitor for our allegiance is money. And you might say, you know, I don't, I don't have a master. You know, I'm not controlled. I'm not controlled by money. I just like to have nice things. Or control, how can I be controlled by money? I don't even have enough money to be controlled by it. Give me a little bit and let's see if I can be controlled or not, right? Give me, give me that chance. Really? You're not controlled by money? Maybe you're not. Good for you. You're one of the 1%. But let me ask you this. What are your biggest concerns? What are your biggest concerns? Your stuff? Having enough money? Or God? I mean, you know the right answer, right? You're, you're very smart people. You're in church, so your answer should be God. But let me ask you another question. There's going to be a lot of questions tonight with like no answers because you're not with me right now. So you can just tell your neighbor the answer if you want. If someone scratches your car, how do you react? If you, if you let somebody borrow your phone and they drop it and the screen cracks, how do you react? Someone messes up your brand new carpet or wood floor, how do you react? Do you care more about that possession or the person who bears the image of your heavenly father and how you treat them? What do you care more about? You know, I, for me, I got to stop teaching these types of messages because then I always get tested with it and it's really not fun. The other day, and I don't know if we've had a chance to fix it when you watch this or not, but uh, Sunday night, somebody came in in our brand new parking lot and did all these donuts and like tore up the gravel tore up the parking lot lines that we worked so hard on and just, you know, some maybe kid having fun. And I was so, <laughs> I was so mad. I was mad for you guys because you've generously given so much to that parking lot. We're going to get it fixed. Don't worry. But I was so mad and I just wanted that person to pay. I'm like, how can I put nails in the, in the, in the gravel so that it won't pop our tires, but if somebody does that, it'll pop their tire and then they'll flip and their car will be there and then, you know, they have to get caught red-handed. And I was caring more about rocks and dirt and chalk and spray paint than maybe caring about and praying for somebody that would actually have the desire to do that to a church parking lot. See, we can care more about our stuff than the, than the people that created, that God created. So here's another question. I hope you're enjoying the questions. Are you more focused on providing for your family than showing them how much you love them? Are you more focused on providing for your family than actually showing them how much you love them? What's your weekly schedule say about that? Now, you might be arguing with me, which is fine. I'm not there. That's, it's safe. You might be throwing things at the screen. Don't do that. You'll hit somebody else. But here's, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with having things. Nothing wrong with having things. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with working hard to provide for your family. But when money and possessions become our main concern, our chief concern, our 
controlling concern, we have become slaves to money and its pursuit. What has your trust? Are you trusting more in God or money? What has your heart? And if you're a Jesus follower, and if you're not a Jesus follower, I'm so glad you're here. Um, everything I'm saying, really, you don't have to do anything about because you, you know, you've, you're off the hook. You're not a, you say, hey, I, I want to check out this Jesus thing. I want to see what it's like before I, before I, you know, tr- before I follow. That's totally cool. That's why we created this church. You can belong before or if you never choose to believe. But if you're a Jesus follower, there's no wiggle room here. See, if you're a Jesus follower, let me ask you this. Why is it so much easier to trust Jesus with your sin? Why is it so much easier to trust Jesus with your ultimate eternal fate? Why is it easier to trust Jesus with your, with your health, with your hopes and your dreams and your sorrows than it is to trust him with your money? Like, we'll say, Jesus, save me. Save me from my sin. I can't do it myself. I only trust, I trust you only to save me for eternity, to give me an eternal relationship with my heavenly Father. We can say that. We can trust him for all of eternity, but it's difficult to trust him with our money. Isn't that weird? Here's what Jesus is saying. And he's not saying it to get money, right? Jesus talked about money all the time, but he never asked for any money, unlike, you know, some preachers. But he's not saying it to get your money. He's saying it because he loves you, because he cares about you, because he is for you. Jesus is saying, if you haven't given God control of what you have, you haven't actually given him control. If you haven't given him control of what you have, what you do with it, then you really haven't given him control of you, of your life. We say, you know, Jesus, you can have all of me. Just, just not my wallet, just not my stuff. We say, take my life and let it be consecrated. Lord. That's a churchy song we love to sing. I'm all yours, Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender. Just, just leave my money alone. Right? You can have my eternity. I trust you with that, but not my money. Jesus, I give you everything I have. Ish. Kind of. Ish. So what do we do about this? How do, we, how do we resolve this tension, this struggle between two masters, this struggle between two lords, one that promises everything and never delivers, and one that died for us and always delivers? Jesus made it really simple. It's what Paul said. It's self-control. It's all about a personal choice. It's about choosing our priorities. Choosing our priorities on purpose. In Matthew's account of Jesus' life, he, he records Jesus saying this. It's about priorities. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, God's kingdom and God's righteousness, And all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first. Yes, it's okay to make money and have money. It's okay to use money. It's not sinful to be wealthy. As long as you don't let it control you. See, if you make your number one 
governing, controlling, and guiding priority the kingdom of God and his righteousness, your wealth won't control you. It can't control you. And you'll find your money's greatest purpose and you'll find true fulfillment. Seek first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the rule of God here on earth now. His love transforming the hearts and the lives of the people he loves. Having heaven meet earth and breaking through in our regular routine lives, transforming us, transforming what we live for. To seek his kingdom is to participate in what God is doing here and now. Not just a future thing, but right now in your family, with your neighbors. Your purpose in life becomes bringing the love of God to the people he's pursuing. Your purpose is God's purpose. The purpose of your life, the purpose of your stuff is to use it for his purpose. That's what it means to seek first his kingdom. And what could be more fulfilling than a life whose purpose is to bring the love of God to as many people as possible with the limited opportunity and the limited amount of time we have? What could be better? What could be a better way to spend our lives than bringing his transforming love to those around us? So seek first his kingdom and seek first his righteousness. So here come the rules, right? Seek, seek first his kingdom and follow all the rules. That's not, that's not what he's talking about. His righteousness means you love what he loves. You see how God sees And what does God love? What does he see? People. That's who God loves. For God so loved people, the world, that he gave his only son. His priority. What's God's priority? People and what is good for them. To seek first his kingdom and his righteousness is to have people and the good of others as your priority. To use everything you are and everything you have as a means to love people. And when it comes to money, it means using your money on purpose as a tool to show God's love to the people he loves. Seek for his kingdom, his righteousness. You live for his priority. You use what you have for his priorities, his purposes. So how do we do that? I mean, that's all nice and good. And, you know, maybe you feel guilty, which is great because I'm not there. I don't have to look you in the eye right now. But how do we actually do this? Like, give me something to do. Here's what it is. You ready? Purposely choose your priority. If you want a new priority, you have to purposely choose what that priority is going to be. And here's, our, here's how we usually have our priorities. Here's our usual priority list. We have live, we use our money to live the way we want to live, the lifestyle we want to have, what we can afford, what maybe what we can't afford. First, our priority is to live, us, to save. If we have something left over, we'll, you know, we'll put it away for retirement or um, kids' college fund, whatever. Third, give. If there's anything left over, we'll give it if we can. We'll give, you know, if there's, oh man, I feel, oh, there's, there's money left over and, and I can give it. 
think, oh, God, you're so welcome for, for, for my leftovers, right? Who's first in this plan? Is it God? No, it's us, right? You're first in this usual plan of ours. What you want is what you use your money for first. And you rare, we rarely get down to two. If we do, we feel really good about ourselves. Man, I'm so wise with my money. I have a 401k or a Roth or whatever. Man, oof, I'm all set. I'm all set. Isn't that great? And then, you know, when if, like I said, if there's enough, then we, then we give it. Which rarely ha- we rarely get to that. And if that continues, if that's our priority, at the end of your life, you'll realize you've traded your purpose for a purchase. You've traded your life's purpose of having a fulfilling life, of watching God transform people through what you're doing. You've traded that for a purchase. Something that's going to rust, collect dust, or crust. And you'll have nothing to show for it at the end of your life. And so we need to choose our priority. We need to change the story. We need to flip the priorities. First priority is to give, to use it for something that's not us, to choose first how we're going to use what we have for his purpose. And then we save so that we're not a burden to others, so that we are able to help when extra needs arise. And then we live with what we need. We're not extravagant. We're wise with our money. He says, seek first his kingdom. Then everything will be added to you. God knows what we need. And he can give us more than we can imagine. Like peace. You know, all the things money promises, these are the things God can actually give. Peace, fulfillment, joy, goodness, friendships, relationships, influence, impact to change your life and to change the world around you, to help bring his kingdom to earth now. So I have some practical homework for you. Aren't you excited? You love coming here and getting this homework for two months. Two months, are you kidding? You'll be fine, okay? It's two months, and I won't even know if you're doing it or not. You'll be fine. But for two months, choose a percentage of your income and give it away right away. Just for two months, you'll be, it, for two months, choose a percentage of your income and then give it away right away. Last week we said choose a percentage that you, you'll live on. Well, now here's what you can do with some of the rest. What part of the rest are you going to give? And why do I say give it away right away? I mean, what if I need, we'll talk about that. See, if you don't give it away right away, it'll find its way somewhere else. It always does. You know that. That's why, you know, with, when we have give as number three, we rarely do it because it always finds somewhere else to go. So give it away right away. Tell it where to go. And, you know, choose, a, I'm not going to tell you what percentage to choose. That's between you and, and God and your spouse if, you, if you're married. But choose a percentage you can feel a little bit, right? Not, uh, you might have to sacrifice a little bit. You might not get that peppermint mocha three times a week. You might only get it once. I don't know. Choose a percentage that you can feel a little bit. 
and then give it to a charity or a nonprofit that you believe in, that you're passionate about, that you want to see make a difference in the world. And then, why I said make it something you can feel a little bit, pay attention to the internal struggle that creates. When you give it away and you have to kind of sacrifice a little bit, pay attention to that internal struggle you feel, the excuse of the, the well, what, I, what, if, what, if I, what if I need it? Might that mean there's a, there's a struggle for control going on? Interesting, huh? And then listen to the excuses you give to get out of it, the what ifs. The, well, well, but then pay attention to that. What is that struggle? Now, this, is, this idea of give, save, live is something that Cross Creek has done since, since day one. And I'm not bragging on, on me, I'm bragging on you guys. This is something you have done since day one. 10% of everything that comes into Cross Creek every single month goes out to other ministries, other people who are bringing God's kingdom to his people here on earth. So every month, 10%. And through this, you've given. You've, you've changed, you've, you've given to, to organizations that here in Salem tell people about Jesus. They, they go out and they say, hey, have you heard about Jesus? He loves you. He's for you. We've, you've, you've given to ministries around the world who tell people about Jesus. You've given to, to a prison ministry that goes into the prisons and tells the prisoners, hey, yes, that was your past, but it doesn't define you. God is for you. God loves you. He can transform you. You've given to prison ministries. Every month, we, Cross Creek gives to an organization that works with adult entertainment workers to say, you are valued. You are loved. You are important. God is for you. We've, we've given to ministries that help street kids in China. We've actually given to other churches in Salem who have needs. We've given to a church plant in Ohio who's, who's reaching inner city people in Cleveland. We've given to Bible translators in Africa, and we've given to a nonprofit that supports new mothers in crisis. All of this you guys have been a part of because we chose at the very beginning to give first, that our priority would be his priority, not just building up Cross Creek, but building up his, his kingdom of, of reaching people and transforming people for eternity. So for Cross Creek, 10, 10% every month goes to an outside source, not to Cross Creek. And then 10% goes into savings so that when, when we see a need arise or when we see God doing something, we don't have to say, well, can we afford it? We can jump right in and be a part of it. And then with the rest, we pay our bills and, and payroll and, and, we, and we keep the lights on and, and the video cameras rolling. It's something actually Liz and I grew up doing. It's a lot easier for her than it is for me. I love to spend. She's really wise with money. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying it because it's, it's, I'm speaking from experience. And it's something we're going to teach our kids to do first. That, you know, a, a percentage of what you get at the very beginning of the month or whenever you get your check goes out, goes to his kingdom. Not because, you know, not because I want to teach my kids to give the church their money because I don't want to take my kids' money. I don't, I don't need my kids' money, but I, I don't want to take my kids' money because I, I don't want money to take my kids' I don't want them to be enslaved to money and pursuing wealth and riches that really don't make a difference, that don't last. I don't want them to devote their lives to something empty like that. I want them to see their lives as something bigger, see themselves as part of something bigger than them, have a life of purpose and fulfillment. 
which is exactly what your heavenly father wants for you also. This, is, this principle is something that will really impact your entire life. And if you, I said it last week, if you, if you give to Cross Creek and you, and you regret it, you're like, oh man, I really missed that money. I, you know, I, I don't know, I could have done it, something better with it. We have a money back guarantee. You, you just have to provide the receipts and a picture of you giving it and a signed witness affidavit and then we'll be fine. I'm just I'm just kidding. So who's going to have control? Who's going to have control? Money or God? Those are our two options. And it's your choice. You get to choose, but you have to choose because if you don't choose, the choice is going to be made for you and it will eventually control you and it will give you a life you never wanted. Think about it. If you're willing to give it away, <clears throat> if you're willing to give something away, then it doesn't control you, does it? You control it. If you can give it away, it's not your master. It's not in charge. If you can tell it where to go, you're in charge. And listen, if you're a Jesus follower, listen, like, look at the screen. Stop talking to your neighbor. Stop doodling. If you're online, stop browsing. Like, look back. I know Christmas is coming. Stop shopping for five minutes. If you are a Jesus follower, until Jesus is first in your finances, Jesus isn't first. Until Jesus is first in your finances, he isn't first in your life. And you're a consumer. You're not a contributor. You're a taker. You're not a giver. I'm so glad I recorded this message. And you're not a follower. You're a user. Whose kingdom is first? Yours or God's? See, when God's kingdom is first, lives are changed, lives are transformed, and there's a purpose and a fulfillment to your life. But when our appetites are in charge, when, when it's our kingdom we're living for, lives are just, you've seen this, lives are destroyed. Lives are wasted. They're ultimately empty and unfulfilled. What's your ultimate priority? You? Or something bigger than you? Something better than you? Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and it will all be given to you. It will all be given to you. What is the it for you? What is it that you truly want out of life? Happiness? Joy? Fulfillment, security, influence, relationships, whatever it is for you, that's the promise. He knows what you need. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, it will be given to you. Let's see one more time what Jesus has to say. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
You cannot serve both God and money. So tell your money, you don't own me. You don't own me. And purposely choose a new priority. Tell your money, you don't own me. And then purposely choose a new priority for your life. A a, a priority that seeks his kingdom of transforming lives for eternity. Hope you guys have a great week.